Hey, what's good, everybody? It's me, your hero, Benjamin Banks, and you are listening to a brand new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Joining me as always are my co-hosts, Trav, terrific Trav, double O-T, Trav, I butchered your name, and Rebellious D. How you fellas doing today? Chilling. We here. Ready to rock. Ready to rock. Uh Huh? Ready to rock, man. I'm ready to rock, too. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And, you know, just listening to us each and every week because we really appreciate you guys that support us and uh, keep tuning in. And uh, joining us on today's episode is a very special person. He's super awesome. You've heard his voice in shows like My Hair Academia. And that is professional voice actor, Belle Rusape. So let's go ahead and give him a call. But before we do that, make sure that you subscribe and you rate us on Apple Podcasts. And also, here's a word from our sponsors. That's right. We want to thank Golden Ink Tattoo for always sponsoring the podcast. You can find them at 3109 Airline Boulevard in Portsmouth, Virginia. You can give them a call at 757-465-1010 and book an appointment with Denise, Kitty, Jay, or their brand new tattoo artist, Kane, spelled like Kanye. Also, mentioning up Leveling Up Banks will get you a 10% discount off your tattoo. So make sure you mention up Leveling Up Banks to get 10% off your tattoo. And joining us on today's episode is professional voice actor, a very awesome person. You've heard this man in so many things, like one of my favorite animes, My Hero Academia, and that is Belle Rusape. How are you doing today, Belle? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, my fellas, for having me. Glasses gang. Glasses gang. Glasses gang. Let's get it. Uh-huh. It is always going to be a fun time where everybody has glasses. I mean, like, we can have fun times, right? you know, where everybody doesn't have glasses. But, you know, it's not too often that everybody has glasses up here. On I know, right? So, uh, yeah, Bell, thank you so much for joining us. Thank and Trav, your tip of the day. Hey, that's right. Hey, if you're going to rock that polo, make sure you leave the top button undone like my man Bell does. And let's go. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. I like Okay, uh, so look, right. Okay. Whenever I wear my polo shirts, I don't know if you guys remember like in the 80s movies where you had like the uh, like the 80s bully and he would have like the collar pointed uh-huh. up. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. how I wear my like polo. Like the fonts? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, okay. and my tag partner, Diamond Victor Griff, whenever he sees me do this, he's just like, you're just trying to get attention and I'm I'm not gonna feed into it. I'm just like, bro, like I'm trying to already bring the fed into it right there. You, you already, already got it. Right. Sounds like Griff. Hey, Sounds That's like right. Griff. So Bell, um, before I mean, well, not before, but we are here at the interview now. One mm-hmm. of the first questions that I always ask all of our guests is what is your origin story? Every hero or villain has one. So tell everybody who you are. All righty then. Thank you very much, Benjamin. Thank you for having me, by the way. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, so to start things off, keeping it pretty simple, I was born in Zimbabwe and my family moved over here to the States when I was a really, really young baby. And so I've lived most of my life essentially in, this, in the States, specifically in Texas over here. And I, I was interested in voiceover when I was in middle school. Because that's when I, you know, became familiar with the idea of what voiceover technically was. And Mm -hmm. so I grew this obsession over looking at voice actors, finding different voices, just like hearing voice demos left, right, front, center, which in turn kind of helped me in becoming a demo reel writer, which is pretty much one of my main professions nowadays. And so 
as time went on, when I turned 18, that's where I decided to finally pursue, pursue voice acting. And from there, six years of grand adventures left, right? Mm-hmm. The rest is pretty much. Right. You went, hey. you went, you went to the grand line. As me, as <laughs> yeah, as yeah as that's right. That's uh, right. That one thing uh, is pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> look at look at Banks. It's like, I mean, because, Belle, I've seen that you've done work on One Piece, and, you know, I'm a JoJo guy, and, like, these guys know it, like, all of our listeners and viewers know it, and uh, I feel like this is the first time that, you know, I'm in a handicap match against three people. It's just like, you know, everybody here is Team One Piece, and, you know, I'm here by myself. Look, that's the problem with making these wars up in your head, Banks. That's what he does. Ain't nobody, nobody, yeah. I've seen no a toss and a turn in that. No, uh, ain't it? Yeah. Yeah. But we're not coming after you. We're a team. No. Brad no, might man. come after you, but <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Only in his dreams. Uh-huh. But no, but Belle, like, I think that that's awesome. Like, thank you for sharing your origin story with us. You know, like you said, you know, you've been doing this for six years now. And mm-hmm. to see the stuff that you've done, like I had mentioned at the start of this interview, you know, you were a part of season five of My Hero Academia. Mm-hmm. And I just want to go ahead and start with that. Like, how was it being on that anime? I feel like My Hero Academia, it's, it's one of my favorite animes that's out right now currently. Like, tell us about it. Oh my God, my hero. Oh my God, I love my heroes so much. I I got into the series, like, as a viewer, just specifying, okay. As a viewer, I got into a series, I think it came around when I was like early into college. Oh, wow. It's been a long time mm-hmm. since my hero came out. But the premise just like all around, I, I loved everything about my hero so much. Jesus Christ. And so <laughs> when it came to professionally speaking, getting into my hero, um, I got in because Colleen Clickenbeard, the ADR director of my hero, called me in to do some extras. I got to do some extras in an episode that was a, f- a few episodes previous from the one I got to record for. And so she ended up giving me the opportunity of auditioning for my hero. And I didn't book any of the characters that were up for audition at the time, Mm -hmm. but I was grateful that I got the experience to work with Colleen at all because I ended up getting auto-cast as the character ending in My Hero Academia, who, by the way, he's a character who's canonically in the manga. So That is true. That is true. Like I, I looked into him, so I was like, yes, he canonically exists in the story, and he serves a great purpose in the narrative because his character... Ties into Endeavor and oh, spoilers! Gonna you know? Hey, hey no, hey, it's all hey. Season without six spoiling is anything, <laughs> without spoiling anything for anyone who hasn't gotten there yet, <laughs> Ending's character ties into Endeavor's development and his past, as well as his future development in the story. But That's right, even though he appears in one episode, well, briefly at the end of the episode prior, as like you know a teaser. Yeah, but ultimately, one episode sort of—he's a one-episode antagonist. But overall, his character really does show a lot of importance in the story, and I loved playing him so much. I, I, oh my god! I watched the episode before I even got cast, so I had a feeling I knew exactly who I was going to go for when Colleen, I, when Colleen cast me for the character. So 
one thing I love doing when I do get cast for a project is looking into the material that is presented. Like, right. if there is an episode of the character before, you know, if they, the episode when the character appears is already up in the Japanese version, I always have to look into that because I want to know, okay, what did they sound like in the Japanese version? What can I do to add to this character? Because I've been cast as a few characters who don't necessarily sound how I do. It's like... My voice is a little on the higher side, so I tend to kind of fill in the range that you'd expect of the character, not what they actually sound in Japanese. It's mm. a, it's low-key a translation thing and more of like a directorial sort of mm. improvisation yeah. when you think about it, because there are some characters who are on the younger side, but they sound deeper in the Japanese version. I had to do mm. that before. <laughs> right. Yeah. And Ending was one of the few instances where I felt comfortable playing an adult character because I usually get cast as like teenagers and young adults. So (laughs) playing a character who was ambiguously much older. Right. I just got to, you know, go wild with my natural range. It was just, it was so much fun. (laughs) And this was actually the first time I got to really play a, a major antagonist character like Ending. So it was like, so much to really think about and when i was working with colleen we were just workshopping ways of really articulating each line and each scene because there's a lot of context when it comes to anime characters even if it's just for a brief moment there's a lot of context that goes into every single line single scene every single point this character is trying to make because at the end of the day our job is to make them still sound like people Mm -hmm. not just characters like they are a character ultimately but they still have wants goals personalities backstories and whatever ultimately makes them more three-dimensional than what you'd normally really think about yeah yeah i 100 agree with you on that and i think that it's oh, that's awesome good. what Donna, you agree oh but, uh, <laughs> <Come anyway>. on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but no i was gonna say that uh you know i agree that it's See, Trial, you made me lose my train of thought. D, uh, go ahead. So being able to play a major antagonist, where you said you were, it's one of the few times you felt comfortable doing it with, because of the age of the character, correct? Yeah, because it allowed me to just go wild on my natural voice without yeah. thinking yeah. about it. Because sometimes the biggest obstacle for me is thinking about the age mm-hmm. and then trying to play it according to the age. Because it's like I have this Yeah, trying to stay with... yeah. Yeah, because it's like sometimes I try to play an <laughs> older character and I sound younger as a result. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's an obstacle. But like when you don't care and you can just do your natural be free. Voice. Yeah. yeah. Be free. Yeah. You can yeah. just be just free. Just like anything like, else. Yeah. That's pretty sweet, though. And yeah, congratulations they, on the role. It's pretty you. sweet. So thank you. I look forward to seeing you. Thanks. Oh, thank you so you ready? Yeah, I'm ready now. So <laughs> I was going to ask because you mentioned voicing the character and, you know, sounding like a kid and sounding like an adult when you do it. Um, like, how how do you look at, you know, characters that are kids that sound like adults? Like, for example, in uh, JoJo Part 5, I don't know if you've seen it, but Giorno, right? Oh, and, you mean... Wait, which one was it? That's uh, Golden Wind. Golden Wind. Okay. Golden Wind. Okay, so Giorno is 15 years old, right? Mm-hmm. But when you watch the dub and when you watch it sub. Like, he sounds like a grown man. You know what I'm saying? So, it's like, how do you feel about stuff like that? Like, do you think that it would be easier to, you know, have somebody, you know, sound like a child? 
doing that role? Or do you think that it's just like whoever is the right person for that role should just get that role? I kind of I think it depends on a lot of factors. And ultimately, one of them is most likely the tone of the story that's going on. Because keep in mind, in the world of JoJo, it's not just it's not just the fact that most teenagers sound like adults. It's the fact that most teenagers look like adults too in the <laughs> yeah, world of JoJo. So, so yeah. it's like they don't in the world of JoJo, you don't really care about that sort of aspect. It's just kind of going nuts with the world. Like yeah. the only character I can say who legit looks and sounds relatively younger, like most likely their age is like Naracha in yeah. Golden Wind, because it's like they. You managed to get him to sound relatively young mm-hmm. and like compared to the other characters. And like that kind of ties into his personality though, because you often associate a character who's very lighthearted and very energetic with a higher range voice. Right. You yeah. know, like Naracha. And so characters are relatively serious in comparison to him. So it's like, I don't know. There's a lot of factors that really go into it. And it also depends on the director, say, the Japanese version. It's like that's a lot of things, but George JoJo is one of those franchises where, you know, you you wouldn't care, you would not care at all if they sounded like teenagers. I feel like it depends too. I don't know if the casting matches up with the art style. Sometimes has a lot to do with as like look, you talk about JoJo, but a lot of those characters are kind of big. Like you said, they look Mm. like adults, but you have other shows like Naruto is just an example, and then you have stuff like One Piece. Where people look a little like the it's the art style, not necessarily right. how they look and stuff or what age they are. So it's it's interesting that you bring that up, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is true because there are a lot of franchises, and this is a big one because there are a lot of mm. franchises out there where in which a male character is often voiced by a woman in the Japanese mm-hmm. yeah. version. Right. And depending on what the English dub company does, yes. they might end up either getting an actor who sounds Japanese version. Yeah. Or the most likely just cast a man to play the character because it's yeah. like in English, you most likely want to hear a guy voicing another guy in the English yeah. version. But it, it ultimately like kind of depends on what the studios are going for. Correct. And just like the yeah. ultimate intent of yeah, because what the English version sounds like. You had someone like uh, Linda Young playing for I was about to bring up Linda Young. Yeah, and it's just, yeah. But she... Yeah, but she sounds. Is that Frieza coming to get you right now, dude? Uh, hey, Linda, <laughs> and we, you mentioned Linda Young. She can't. Yeah, I, I am assuming that D was about to go on the I'm lines of. Okay, yeah, that's cool. Um, when Linda Young auditioned for the role of Frieza, she had told us that like the audition role it was in the newspaper. You know, like yeah. that's how it was back oh, in the nineties. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, can you can you imagine? Because I mean, like you, you're a voice actor in today's world. Can you imagine, mm. like, saying, okay, well, let me see what roles I can get. Open up the newspaper. Oh, like, yeah, <laughs> I'll, cir- <laughs> I'll circle this. I want to do that. But, um, you know, what you was just saying about how some directors, they want the characters to sound like how, or sound similar to how they sound in Japan. But back then, you know, you went in for the audition. She got the role. Mm. And then later on, because they wanted to have Frieza voiced by a male, because he was voiced by a male in the Japanese version, you know, they changed it up. But yeah, I, I just know when I was younger, like watching certain animes, you just be like, well, why is it a woman voicing a guy or, you know, vice versa? You know what I'm saying? I was going to say, there's a lot of anime tropes, though, when it comes to that. 
sort of thing. Like mm, a lot yeah. of teenage boys are voiced by women, you know, in the genre. Like as far as American dubbing goes, there's there's kind of like a format that they tend to follow. Like you were talking about, Bill, where mm. depending on how the character is is how they go about choosing, I guess, a voice actor for it. Mm. It's just a, a interesting topic now that we've opened up this can of worms. Yeah. Because it, it does make you wonder. I mean, it I it maybe it's just what they end up being comfortable with at the end of the day, like the Linda Young situation, because she was phenomenal as Freeze, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, and she did it for a long time. But it was like it looked and sounded appropriate. Like when you watch and listen to Frieza, it was just iconic. So yeah. But I guess when you got the voice, you got the you know. When they pick you, you to pick voice. Yeah, it's like it's ultimately what the director says Correct. at the end of the day. And it's For like sure. it's like the director and the client, because there's there's a Japanese client at the end of the day too. So it's like ultimately what they approve of as well. Mm-hmm. Well, how involved are they when a like Funimation gets those licensing rights or whoever, but let's just say Funimation since we're talking about DBZ. Mm-hmm. They it what sort of in- input does like Toei have? Can can they say, mm. no, we don't like that, and Funimation has to change it? Or there's really no say-so, right, as far as Toei's concerned? There might be, actually. Mm. I guess I guess Toei animation, animation does have more say than we're, really, than we're really thinking, but ultimately, I do believe that English dub directors do want to continue taking more chances on what kind of actors that they do bring along, because... Right. There has been a greater push for newer talent getting more opportunities in the industry. And I do like that. It's like, there are people in the studios that are trying to get more new blood into it so that we're not using the same 10, 20, generous here, 30 people that you often hear in like literally everything. Right, right. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that, Trav. Are you going to interrupt me again? No, no I'm just, I'm just <laughs> glad. Oh, easy. I'm glad that you're not 95% agreeing. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, we I'm have, we have a guest in the room. A D over there, like Doctor Claw. Yeah, that's the right. right? <laughs> but, uh, but, but, Bell, I wanted to piggyback off of something that you had said about, like, you know, this rising of you know new and fresh voice actors coming in the industry especially with you being a person of color i feel Mm. like over the last couple of years like you've seen like more people of color you know make you know they're make names for themselves in the voice acting game so i just want to ask you like how does it feel to be one of those people and you know what are some of the goals that you have in mind like like other animes and stuff that you want to tack your name onto Oh my God. I, on God, I did not expect that my involvement in the industry would be this, would be anywhere near as big as people make it out to be. Like, it's, (laughs) it's, it's something I'm still trying to really wrap my head around. But ultimately, it's one of the most refreshing feelings I've ever had. Like, it feels good because. Back in the day, I was kind of worried about my chances of getting into anime, Mm -hmm. mostly because of my skin. But another factor being my name, because it obviously obviously has like more, you know, foreign ethnic roots tied to it. uh, Because I've heard instances of actors like, say, Christina V, who she had to kind of change her name a bit to, you know... So people mm. wouldn't, you know, kind of like tie that back to her or something. It's like I've heard instances where actors kind of had to like hold themselves back from 
presenting a bit more ethically to really mm-hmm. get what works. So it's like, it's something I always kind of felt was a, pr- a concern that might have happened in the back of my head, but I'm really glad I never got to actually experience that myself because yeah. the directors the I've haters gonna hate. Exactly. Yeah, haters are always gonna <laughs> hate. There's, there's always gonna be haters in the industry, like in and out of the industry. But exactly. ultimately, you have to keep succeeding. You have to keep yeah. moving forward. Like your success is not hinged on other people who keep trying to dog on you. Like yeah, exactly. You and have to keep. You have to keep moving up. You have to keep moving up on your own because mm-hmm. you're ultimately going to be your biggest supporter. Yep, that's for sure. And um, luckily, you know times are changing and you see people of color in general, you know, regardless, uh, you know, yellow, green, black, blue, doesn't matter. People are starting to get way more opportunities now. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's wonderful to see, you know, because we yeah. get to see and talk to a lot of you all in the, uh, in the voice at the community. So, mm. yeah. And just to piggyback off of what you were saying, not only are you seeing more people of color get these opportunities mm-hmm. in the voice acting community, but you're also seeing more people of color in animation, mm-hmm. which is something that we really didn't see a lot yeah. of growing up. Because, you know, people still consider Piccolo black. You know what I'm saying? Because on Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we didn't really have any black characters. So, you know, it's cool to, you know, see animes like Naruto or Tiger and Bunny season two mm-hmm. is about to come out. And, you know, you see yep. characters up there that actually look like us. And, you know, they don't look like how they were drawn back in the 80s. Like um, one of the characters that I really love the development that they've had over the years is uh, Cyborg 007, I believe. It's yeah, either I think seven, he's seven or eight. Oh, yes, yeah, seven. I think he, he's either seven or eight. I think it's seven. I think you're right. Yeah, seven. Mm-hmm. And like you see how, you know, when he was first originally drawn, he was a black caricature. But now, like, he just looks like a normal black person. And, yeah. uh, you know, I just love the fact that when it comes to anime, that characters, you can see the representation. In yeah. Anime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, like, studios are actually being very conscious about yep. the fact that, yeah, there are black people who exist. There are black people in <laughs> Japan yeah. who exist too. Right. And that, yeah, exactly. You can't make that mistake anymore and get away with it like it's it's not, it's something that you have to actually put in the effort of studying and learning to actually incorporate into your work because another one of my personal favorite instances is shaman king one of the main characters mm-hmm. is this guy named okay, okay you're talking so about the guy it, with the cat he's got the uh cheetah yeah okay, he so have a cheetah with him the, I, mean, I can't so, remember his name but i know I'll, who you're talking about I'll, so in the Japanese version, oh, his no. name Uh-oh. was, and I kid you not, Chocolove. Yes, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in oh, the four kids, God. but in the four kids dub, we ever since the four kids dub, like a lot of us in the in the in America, even in the even in the English version of the manga Jesus. too, they refer to him as Jocko, which right. that's what mm-hmm. I refer to him as. That's what yeah. everyone I know refers Call to. Call me Chocolove. I, I'm never and like back when he first got portrayed. Like, oh my god, he had like those. Oh, lips. We know. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. the DBZ lips. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, back, yeah. Mm-hmm. back uh, it's like uh, the, the black face, the mature mm-hmm. lips in, in the manga. But and he, they thankfully kind of toned that down by changing the color of the lips. But it's it was yeah. There. Yep. I liked his character, but it's like. It was still, 
it's that it's that one thing. It's that yeah, one thing that ruins I it. Remember. But then in the new Shaman King adaptation, they fixed that. They, fixed they, mm-hmm. fixed that. they yeah, gave I, him normal lip. They make him yeah, look like every other character. Like I when I first saw that, that's what that's what made me worry. Like mm-hmm. with, the, with this new adaptation of Shaman King, I was like, oh my God. This is the <laughs> one that is like this will make or break the internet if you don't handle it carefully <laughs> and they hand and they did it they they changed it and he looks amazing it was yep. like it, it's, uh, it, it shows like people are paying attention yeah and, and it's okay that's okay yeah. to acknowledge that you can look up what people look you know different races look like in real life or just like consult people like this in real life and be like mm, let's now, avoid question yeah. for you bell do you think, I mean, we could pass around, but I want to start with you. You're the guest. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think it was just a perception thing from Japanese back then? Because they, if you think about when some of that stuff was drawn initially, do you think it was just the exposure? There was no internet back then is what I'm getting at. Oh. And they had very limited exposure to, a lot of them probably hadn't been out of Japan for all yeah. we know. So that might be case. do you yeah, think that's I- why they just kind of, they were just shooting? You know, I do think it's like a historical thing where there wasn't much explosion. No, there wasn't much exposure to black mm-hmm. culture and black people in general, especially in a recluse area as Japan back in the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's not okay now. It's like you look, you can still look back at that and be like, "Oh, that was, <laughs> yeah. that was really gross. <laughs> it was right? horrible." But it's like I understand in certain instances, like. If there was like historically no way that they knew at the time, mm-hmm. it was, it was like it was a mo. How do you say it? It was a. It was f- for the the time. For the time. Yeah, it yeah. was a yeah, yeah. It was essentially like a piece for the time. Yeah, but yeah, like, what is that called? Uh, a period piece or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah, yeah, essentially, Basically. it was like mm-hmm. it was like, for its time. It was it was normal, but. Yeah, very stereotypical. Yeah, we look um, back in it and be like, it's okay to understand, you know, call out the racism that you see in the indus- in like in any anime and stuff like that. But also, let's also be more conscious and understand when there's a tan character, and understand that's not the same thing as being actually dark skin. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've seen some people try to. I've seen some people get uppity on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's like. It's yeah, something yeah, go uh, controversial going on right now where I think the anime is called like My Dress Up Something. Oh, I, My Dress Up Darling, where, yes, yeah, so Martin Kitagawa, a character she wanted to cosplay as, and she acknowledges it's a tan, by the way. She's, she explicitly says it's a tan. She has tanned skin. It's yeah. like, I mean, you can still be uncomfortable. You can be uncomfortable about it if you want to. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that still acknowledge what it actually is because if it's okay to acknowledge the difference between a tan and blackface because yeah. blackface mm-hmm. is much more hold on are you saying she painted her skin tone a different she color tan to... so she could cosplay no, that, as a... I, I'm no I don't want to crucify anybody but there there's no need to go that extra step for anybody like that's that's too that's doing way too much dude like, yeah that's not, there's a that's point. not cool I I'm not crapping on her because I don't know her or him. No, it's an anime trap, so yeah, you could talk about it. No, no, no. The person who who caught 
I thought we were talking about a cosplayer that cosplayed. No, 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 no. It's an anime character who got backlash. So there's cosplaying in the show? Yeah, like the character herself is a cosplayer. Oh, okay. Yeah, the show is all about cosplay. Like, the entire core I'm still confused on what's controversial then. Okay, so look, right? So ultimately, a lot of people got upset. A lot of people got upset because Because the girl tans in the show? Well, it's because like they're saying that like it's considered oh, blackface and but it's just, you're like, saying she tanned like she went to a tanning booth or yeah, yeah she t- she mm. tanned she tanned her skin so that way she could be darker so she could cosplay a character. People are taking this stuff too was serious. Was the cosplayer that she was cosplaying? You mean it was a character African American? Yeah, was- no, no, like she actually explicitly says the character has tan skin. Mm. See, I don't uh, watch the anime. I, I just I think know people are taking that a little yeah, too I'm, I'm serious. So g- there are times I, where it's like the controversy does kind of get out of hand. I'm yeah. like, so confused people. on what the problem is. I get the <laughs> sentiment, but it's like you have to understand what actual examples of blackface look like in media before yeah. you actually start tackling that. Because one of the best yeah, examples uh-huh. I can one of the best examples I can think of that a lot of people are still uncomfortable about, and I don't blame anyone for this. Mm. Is like Mr. Popo from Dragon Ball. (laughs) I don't know how to address that one, though. I knew he was about to say that. He was just Mr. Popo. Well, I mean, like, you have to actually, like, look into it. But he's based off of, uh, it's like an Indian uh, god or something like that. Oh, oh, wait, is it like the djinn? Yeah, the djinn, yes. Oh, Oh, yeah. Okay. I I thought he was... Yeah, yeah, but okay, of course. So, yeah. Okay, because like I thought, because for example, because when I look at Mr. Popo, he kind of goes goes under the same scrutiny as the Pokemon Jinx. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it like it's like I don't. It's like because Jinx, Jinx's first concept design was like black skin. Yeah. luscious pink lips and it was like luscious I get the controversy. <laughs> I get the controversy. Luscious, but it's like. Yeah, let's let's uh, not go too far on it. Cause yeah, not to be fair though, it's another kind of Pokemon I remember. It's one of the. It was actually in Sun and Moon, I believe. Where uh, now, now let's not go into it. It's like there's okay. a lot of controversy in the Pokemon. Hey, hey, anime. We can move along. Hey, we can move along. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's move along. Hey, you know, you there know, are me? articles dedicated to the controversies in Pokemon, like like mm. the Porygon. Oh, hey, you already. Porygon. I mean, like if you. If you grew up going to church, you know, the pastors, mm. they was always against Pokemon, saying always. it was devil, uh, Alakazam. Like, man, I remember my pastor, she preached a sermon one time on Pokemon. Jesus and I, oh. I was just sitting there the entire time. And I was just like, man, I just got Pokemon Stadium. And <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I was like, Am I, I going like, to I hell? Hope, because, I mean, like, I I told, I've told the story up here before, Bell, where... It's like mm. my aunt, she saw my uh, Shonen Jump and it had Yugi up there and he had the Millennium Puzzle necklace on. Uh-huh. And she was just like, that's the Illuminati. Like, I'm not people allowing so, you to have People were like, terrible oh, back then. Oh, my God. Yeah, Yugi, like, see, we got a lot of crap. I mean, it did, but Yu Gi Oh! I think Yu Gi Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh got it the worst, though. Let's be real here. Just you know? imagine. They would have went haywire if they had seen the actual show. Japanese yeah. version. Was, oh, everybody, was getting, everybody was getting possessed. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. no. And they banned no, the key for the gun. They oh, were, oh, no. <laughs> we, we, that, 
That's just the English dub version of you. Yeah, no. That that Japanese version is all hard. I mean, you you had (laughs) Tristan's over. I can't remember Tristan's name in the Japanese version, but he's over here making making nasty passes about Joey's sister. Hmm? You know, just nasty, inappropriate comments. You know about Yugi didn't care. That show didn't care. They tone it down. We got it. It's crazy because, like, in the four kids version. It's like you would have like people just holding their hands out saying, yeah, yeah, like, boy, yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, yeah, I remember Tristan guys. used to be like running from them. And I'm like, what's he running from? Like, big deal. They pointed hey, at he, him. Hey, he running for his life. Hey, it's like yeah. a Tupac song running. <laughs> oh, but, uh, oh, my God. But no, but hey, you know, me and D, we've been asking a lot of questions. And, uh, you know, Travis drinking his water right now. But, Travis, I want to pass the ball to you. Ooh. Go ahead, bro. Well, I, wanted, yeah. I wanted to double double piggyback to to the Uh-oh. beginning of, Super. of this thing and go to this origin where you had mentioned that a lot of work you're doing now is writing demo reels. Mm-hmm. Now we all know what a demo reel is as far as it's a reel that people put together to kind of show off their range and work and different character voices they can do. What does mm-hmm. that mean though that you're writing? demo reels like what what all goes into that well it was a foreign concept back in the day but ultimately it's just taking so it's like taking the range of the actor you know the passions behind the actor and ultimately the tropes the tropes characters and archetypes that an actor can fall into with their range kind of just like working around all that stuff to ultimately make several characters that they can record for Mm-hmm. to fill in the space of the demo reel. Yeah, because the demo reel has to be, like, the usually around a minute and five seconds, and, you know, is, like, the, the usual minimum that you should have. And are you actually right? You know, the, you know, come on, guys, let's do it, and all Yeah, these basically, okay. I write all that. Like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like I write them in a way where it's, like, I, I try to break the, I try to break the tropes and just, you know, kind of, like, build something off of it instead mm-hmm. of just... Because I've been listening to demo reels since I was in middle school, and I was like, you notice a lot of tropes that repeat ad nauseum with a lot of demo reels, and it's like, right. dude, if I'm going to strut my range, I don't want to sound like generic character one, 1,254. Uh-huh. I want to sound like how I uh-huh. want to play this character, because a good actor can take whatever dialogue you're given and make it sound hella believable like right. it has to sound very good and i want to give someone dialogue that sounds like it's something that comes straight from a video game or an animation just like something that it feels like you're working with an actual project instead of just like a stock template you know yeah. line that you could be right, reading right. from anyone that anyone you could have easily found on the internet like i don't want people to just just like go to a demo reel go make a demo reel and it's just like sounds like everyone else's demo reel right yeah and I mean, I guess to piggyback, it's kind of like how you were saying earlier in the interview, when you're voicing these characters, it's like you're not voicing the character as, you know, who they are. You're voicing the character as yourself and like mm. you're bringing yourself into this character. And I think that that's really cool that when you go into the concept of it's like, this is how I think that the character should sound. This is how the character should be like the character needs to sound like they're a real person and not 
some like something that I'm just reading the script from. So I think that that's really cool that you do that, man. Now I wanted to also ask too, when it comes to that, like how do you prepare yourself so that way that you get into that mindset so that way it doesn't feel like you're just reading from a script? There's a lot that really goes into that. Well, for starters, I do vocal warm-ups, the tongue twisters, you know, just to make sure I sound well articulated because the point of voice acting is that you have to sound sound like people can right. hear you. Like that, that's the number one rule. And um, well, another thing to really take into consideration is you have to also read whatever notes you get on a character. Like hmm. some sometimes you get annotations or the director kind of spoon feeds you any context. Context is key for any scene that you because if you read a line but you have no context, there are a million ways you can right but with context and an understanding of you know understanding of of the language you're speaking as well as you know the emotion that might be placed on it because you've most likely felt that emotion before you have to understand that there has to be a direct way of really going about it and if i could give anyone a free tip one thing I try to work on with myself is don't speak too fast all the time. Do not speak too fast all the time. Don't read too fast. That is a common mistake a lot of us make when we start out because we think we think via the anime way of acting is talk really, really, really fast, like Speed Racer. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> no, that's not the case. Like, like I've had instances where I've spoken way too, way faster than lip flaps, by the way. So it's an instance of understanding it's okay to slow down. It's okay to slow down, pace yourself, and just get a good footing for what the words, the word placement, how you want to say something, how this could be said. A lot of things that need to be really thought about when it comes to speaking as a person, not just as a character, but ultimately as a person. Just make it sound believable because there is a way of speaking a lot of people can connect with that if you hit those if you hit those dots it makes for a much a much more connected performance for a lot of people nice nice so you know hmm. now i wanted to you know kind of take it back and i want to know how was it during your first voice acting gig wait oh it depends by first voice acting gig like first first voice acting gig ever or first a- anime gig like first anime gig okay okay in that case Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, this actually has a little, a bit of layers on this one. Hey, so hey, hey, we got all the time. Hey, we got three hours. Man, we so love. Uh, what's that beefy five layer from Taco Bell? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. A bit of context here. So my first ever ADR experience was, I'd like to say, 2018. I did a bit of extra voiceover for the anime Hanebado and mm-hmm. which is a badminton anime by the way mm-hmm. and that was my first time stepping into a studio with I'm so nervous as hell oh my god <laughs> but <laughs> as far as first major character booked role last year it was it was last year when I booked Horimiya as Kakadu Sengoku mm-hmm. and thank god thank god Prior to that, months prior to that, I was taking ADR workshops with Jason Lore. I I had some, I had some guest teachers on there. My friend Griffin Poatu, as well as the illustrious J. Michael Tatum, 
who had taught me the ropes about ADR. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I was so lucky because they were teaching how to do ADR from home. And I recorded all of Hodemia from home. And I was like, oh my God, I so much more at ease voicing this character from the comfort of my own home booth versus going to a studio every single week to record my character because, oh my God, I, I, I got a little... I got used to recording recording in a studio because of the, a, a previous studio that went that went defunct a while ago. But overall, recording from home, oh yeah, I'm taking that all the way. I'm taking that all the way. Like recording for Sengoku just felt so natural for me. Like it was a matter of getting used to ADR becoming a regular thing for me. Right. But the only obstacle I'd say it was because recording for Sengoku. I was doing that during my final semester of college. Mm-hmm. So it was a man. It was like time management overall. Right, right. Mm-hmm. But overall, yeah. the performance, like that was absolutely so much fun. It was just like learning how to connect with a character while matching the lip syncing, because that was the biggest obstacle when it comes to transitioning from usually creating the character to working off of the original material to make a character for in a different experience like basically for an english experience it was it was a a whole new ball game because i got to really experience sengoku in a whole other light and it was like it was so much fun because i love sengoku so much episode seven onward that's what ultimately made me fall in love with playing the guy yeah, I'm gonna have to make sure I check that out. Then. Oh yeah, hey, you yeah know, right? our homegirl Danny Chambers was in it. So yeah, oh my god, Danny Danny Chambers. Oh my god, she. I think she's one of the, like the the main girls who straight up like helped change the game of anime dubbing forever. Because like her folks like her, Zena Robinson, Zena Robinson, I think benefited the most like getting work from Funimation because the mm-hmm. moment he booked Hawks, dude's career was. Flying. Yeah, he, he's an owl house now. Like he's actually doing, yeah. You know, like he puts a lot of Disney work too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, and we still sliding in the DMs. It, like, hey, <laughs> that's what's up. <laughs> right. still Gotta sliding. get him. I mean, Gotta get I mean, it's, it's it's the same thing. Like with you, Bell. I mean, you know, we just interviewed uh, Amanda C. Miller, and like she was somebody who I have reached out to back when we first started the podcast, and. You know, one thing I always say is that, you know, sometimes you have to be patient because, you know, you had finally reached back out to me and I was just like, yo, we finally got him. Sometimes you just got to wait. You got to be patient. You can't give up. You know, sometimes you got to keep on sliding in the deal. Sometimes you got to keep Mr. on just bugging, 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 but well, not, not too much bugging, though. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but D, <laughs> I wanted to pass the ball to you. My turn. Here mm, we yes, go. <laughs> All right. So. Bell, growing up, did you have any voice actors that you looked up to or anybody who would you say you you would watch and try to emulate? Were there certain characters on TV and stuff coming up? I mean, sometimes we get the answers from a lot of our guests. I just wanted to go ahead and ask. There are a lot of actors that I could say were definitely huge inspirations for me. A few include Johnny Young Bosch, who... Oh my mm. God, when I got to, when I found out that I was working with him on Horemiya, my right. soul, <laughs> my heart fluttered like a thousand times because he is my absolute favorite anime voice actor. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Others include Steve Bloom, who, by the way, I got, I got Casper a project a few years ago where the voice reference was being a younger version of Steve Bloom, basically. Uh-huh. 
Oh wow! So that that kind of makes my (laughs) that really made my that really made my experience on that one. So Johnny Young Bosch, Steve Bloom, Crispin Freeman, Greg Ayers, Chris Ayers, rest Mm -hmm. in peace. Rest in peace. Oh God, God. his performance as Frieza that changed my life forever. Like because that was that is one of the most that was one of the most natural performances I had ever heard in anything, and you would not know that Dragon Ball Z was an anime if you had heard Chris Ayers playing Frieza. That was so well articulated mm-hmm. and just natural. Like, and, his, and he had a natural, like, higher range voice that just... Because I, I used to be really insecure about my voice growing up, so it was like hearing actors with really distinct vocal ranges, especially higher distinct vocal ranges, like mm-hmm. the, the Ayers brothers, as well as actors like Richard Stephen Horvitz, for example. It's like Actors with unique, higher ranges mm-hmm. are a huge inspiration because I always wanted to have, I just really always wanted to like own having a higher range voice and just yeah. like getting to go wild and like sound really, really sick. Like it was just, <laughs> I just absolutely love that. Like I love seeing actors with higher range voices just winning. It's just Hell yeah. my favorite things ever. For sure. I mean, you named some of the, some of the best in the biz, you know? Legend, yeah. hey, best in the biz. Uh, Trav, did you want to piggyback? I mean, I know, I know, you know what model uh, mic that is. <laughs> you know, you want to, I'm not gonna I talk about this the mic. One, I didn't know if this was one I'm of those episodes. <laughs> hey, this man right here, he knows. No, hey. I, I did. I didn't get it. I didn't see an opening for me to come in earlier when you was talking hey, about. Man, the studio, I had you when you was talking about the studio stuff. But I do want to go back to it because, do you not feel like when you get to go to those studios, it's like recording from home's cool. But there's been a few times where I've got to session at studios and record like other rappers or bands or whatever, and it's just a different vibe and like a studio corner there's just something special about it you you could feel the vibe like when when you go into those studios you don't kind of feel that versus sitting at home and you know your little comfort bubble versus going out to the studio and now it's like a a bigger deal kind of thing it feels bigger well i guess it's just a me thing but Mm -hmm. i am i am way more of an introvert than i let anyone know so it's like I don't mind having a lot of me time, like essentially work, then just proceed proceed on to my day, you know? But it's like, I do get what you mean. Yeah, Trav, like you're totally right. It's like going into the studio, it provides an experience of actually meeting, talking, and just, you know, getting to vibe with a lot of the people in the studios. Because I've had instances like that before, and it's always a lot of fun just getting to really talk to people face-to-face and, you know, just getting to really... yeah, work out the kinks. Damn right. Uh, but overall, I appreciate the fact that studios have given me the opportunity of working from home because ultimately they are prioritizing our safety. They're right. pretty much, a lot of studios, Funimation especially, has been very adamant about like encouraging actors, if they're able to, you can work from home. And I've always been open to that possibility. Just work from home as much as possible because I know where the new Funimation building is and that is it's way too far. To, <laughs> it's also gorgeous in there. I So I've heard, yeah, but is it worth going like an hour or so there? Look, it's like, nah, mm, it's I, like, you just want to wake, wake up, put your slippers on, and then go right and to you the know, mm? I don't I don't know what you listen to, Bell, or anything like that, but there's a video online that you can watch where 
Timberland's from our area, and he used to have a studio in Norfolk. He doesn't have that studio anymore. But he had Jay-Z down in the studio, and he was playing him beats. And, you know, he played in the dirt off the shoulder beat, and they was vibing in the studio. And, you know, Timberland sold that studio to a local couple down here in Norfolk. And uh, I got to go to that studio one time and be in that room. And it's probably all in my head, but I'm just like, yo, Timberland... And Jay Z was in the studio, bro. And I'm in this studio. You know what I mean? Right. I I that's that's the nostalgia. Yeah, man. That ain't in your head. That really happened. Mm-hmm. Did it? Did it? I do treasure those like live like appearances, like whenever those happen. But it's like, yeah. but it's like ultimately, I'm not opposed to just you know working from home and then just like calling it a day right. because that's that's always been how I've worked. Like I've the, in the six years I've worked in voiceover, I've always worked remotely. And so it's mm-hmm. like, you know, the few instances where I've gotten the heads of, you know, the attention of studio execs, it's like, do I want to spend a lot of time and money having to, you know, go all the way there? Right. Or can I just save the trip, get the check, and still yeah. keep the experience ultimately mm-hmm. over here? Because it's like... Yeah. I understand there is worth to, you know, going to the studio, but like ultimately the biggest disadvantage and a lot of people who work remotely can attest to this is that depending on the work you're getting, it also spells out having to go somewhere else to, you know, do that work. Because one thing I don't think I am going to do anytime soon is traveling to L.A. just to record for a few hours, then go back. Most likely spend more money getting there and going back than I'm getting for the session. And it's like, oh, my God, was that even worth it? Like, I could have just done this Mm. from home. You know, this is... Yeah, with them gas prices. The money gas prices, sending exactly. out the funny limousine to come get you, is what you said. Exactly. If, funny if they're limousine. not investing, then I'm not really going, you know? It's like, it's not worth it. It's not worth that much. Nah, not with the gas yeah. prices. It's, yes. not. Oh my it's God. like, unless I live right next door to the studio, or like, I can... Is it a walking distance? Maybe a bike? Nah, he said I mean, I can do that. Like, nah. If you, you can invest always in my Uber. trip... But now, I mean, I mean, that might be expensive, too. Now, Bell, sure. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. like, what are some of your hobbies that you're into when you're not voice acting? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> one of my favorite things is if I'm not the one doing the voice acting, I just like looking for new voice actors in general, just kind of like listening to different voice demos, mm. kind of like hearing around, follow new people to, to listen to, you know, mm-hmm. new people to kind of like, tip off about opportunities here and there. What? Who said that? But (laughs) but like ultimately, one of my favorite pastimes is getting to really engage with other voice actors. But at the same time, I'm a huge gamer. I love video games. I absolutely, I recently got the new Kirby and the Forgotten Land game. I heard Mm. that's a good game. Oh my God, it's so good. I am a, I am a Kirby fanboy and it has been a long time since I got into play Mm -hmm. Kirby. Oh my God. I'm just happy they gave him a game. Yes. In in an open world game. I'm not gonna lie. I was kind of surprised. I I wasn't sure how it would handle having Kirby become inanimate objects like during the game. Mm But it works. It works super well. That's all I'm gonna say mm. so far because I'm right. still relatively, I'm still relatively new to the game. But I'm, I'm having a lot of fun. And outside of, outside of voice acting, 
oh my god i love i love drawing i am an artist at heart i went to college to pursue art i mm. am i am an alumni at unt i majored in i have a bachelor's degree in interdisciplinary art and design studies and if you're not hearing me in voice acting you're most likely seeing me do drawing or designing banners for other voice actors because if you see my social media oh my god i love posting banners i love designing banners i love design work i especially love character design work whenever i get the chance that takes a lot of time but it mm -hmm. is worth it i love learning new mm -hmm. techniques learning how to create characters mm -hmm. just kind of dabbling experimenting on my creative juices the coloring parts are one of my favorite uh my, my favorite one of my favorite things is definitely coloring a character in oh my god mm -hmm. like it's there is so much that really goes into designing a character and like i'm still learning new things and but overall where i am right now as an artist way better than where i was several years back just saying that oh is. my god the fa my favorite my favorite thing drawing drawing characters that i've designed is like looking back and seeing how did I compare the first time around? How did I compare right. the second time around? How did I compare 2017 versus 2018 or 2019 mm -hmm. or 2020 or 2021, <laughs> 22? You know, you know what I'm saying? You, you, you constantly leveling up. And, you know, right. I'm surprised, D. I'm surprised you didn't say the line when he said he was an artist. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm something of an artist myself. Oh, my that God. <laughs> Yeah, I'm okay, man. I've uh, I've always dabbled, you know, just kind of doodle every. Whenever I get time, I just kind of sit doodle, you know. And sometimes it'll pull you in for an hour, hour and a two. But that's the that's the beauty of it, man. It just takes you somewhere else. Amen, amen, my dude. Oh my god, like, bruh, I've gotten to I gotten to design convention banners at some point. Ooh, like, wow. I feel like, sweet. Oh my god, like. I got to design banners for Brittany Lauda, her husband, Matt Shipman. I've gotten to design banners for Tyler Walker, who's one of like the head like ADR writers at Funimation. Jeez. As well as Brandon Winkler, who is a phenomenal voice actor, by the way. Oh my God. I love, I love designing banners so much. You'll see a lot of my banners like all throughout Twitter. But if you see any that I've designed printed out in conventions, you you've most likely seen seen them pretty much like pimping me out on social media. We're gonna be checking you out. Don't yeah, worry. you know what's crazy? You just mentioned Brandon uh, Winkler, and this is the second time that I've heard his name this week. Um, yep. Yeah, oh, for real? yeah, and the the reason the reason why is that at my job I was telling uh, some of my coworkers that you know I have a podcast and whatnot, and we interview voice actors and whatnot, and I was telling the girl that we've interviewed some of the people from Fena Pirate Princess. And, uh, and oh. she was and she was just like, oh, for real? Like, yeah, one of my friends, like, he was up there. And I was just like, oh, for <laughs> real? And he was just like, yeah, his name is Brandon Winkler. Like, he's from Chesapeake, Virginia. I was just like, for real? He's from Virginia? Like, so, yeah, I mean, hey, it's a small world out there. And then now, Bill, you just met Brandon and uh you know, that means that we got to slide in the DMs and we got to get him up right. here because it's like I can't keep on hearing his name and not have him up here on leveling up with Benjamin. And, Banks. and where's he from, Banks? Hey, Trav, he from out there where you where you Ooh, are, man, out right. there in the woods. Oh, you know, what I mean, in the woods. So, hey, so, hey, somebody from Chesapeake made it, and I'm <laughs> I'm happy. Eight mile, hey, 
yeah, a sin a Sinbad said, "Ain't none out there but trees." And I mean, mm-hmm. he won't lie about that. But uh, oh, Bell, stop. I wanted I wanted to ask you when you said that you're a huge Kirby fan, are you one of those type of people that plays as Kirby and Smash, inhales somebody, and then jumps off of the stage to kill him? I think everybody oh. does that with Kirby. <laughs> Oh, I've man. never done that. It's li- but it's literally if you're playing competitively and you're up a life, it's no brainer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, literally, you get them I off mean, the level. There's nothing they can do about it. I don't play Smash as much. Funny enough, I actually got Smash Bros. Ultimate recently. Like when I got the new Kirby game. So mm-hmm. if I get to play that, oh my god, I'll see. But we'll be looking for you. Don't worry. I, oh man, I don't think I've ever played Kirby in Smash before. That's Thing, but I oh my god my in, my introduction to Kirby was yeah uh, the TV show which first of all right back at you yeah there we go <laughs> and as far as the games my first Kirby game was Superstar Ultra mm. okay oh my god I was a D, I was a huge DS kid so it was like mm-hmm. brah I, like I don't know why it was like the aesthetic of Kirby just appealed to me like it i was really cool love... right like, yeah i think uh and this is showing my age but i had the original game boy i'm not that old just know. and mm. uh i had the first kirby game it was uh kirby's dreamland and That's exactly you know just like how you know. said bell it's just like just being able to uh, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god right? i was just thinking somebody's gonna hit me with a dash what she said because uh, uh. What I was... Because of what, because what Kirby does, but you oh. know, just being able to, you know, inhale things. There we go. <laughs> being able to inhale things and then you know absorb their powers and whatnot. I always thought that was cool. And then right. when Kirby sixty four came out, and you could actually like make like combinations of the things that you mm-hmm. absorbed. I just thought it was really cool, and it's cool that Kirby is getting his uh, spotlight again by getting his first open world game. And mm-hmm. I envy all of you guys that have switches because it's like, I want to switch and somebody, it's just like, I told them that I still had a Wii U and they asked me if, if they could have my Wii U. And I was just like, I'll give you my Wii U if you give me your switch. I'm like, now do you think that they was going to give me their switch? It's just nah. like, why would you ask me for my Wii U for free and not give I me know, a switch? Right? I think that that's a, I think that's equivalent exchange, right? That's what they did on I Full know, Metal. Right? It's definitely not an equivalent. Yeah, how that, and how that work? No, how that work out for them in Full Metal though? Yeah, I, I don't one hundred percent agree. With that. <laughs> how did that work out in the show? Oh no, it never <laughs> works out. No, it didn't. It oh never <laughs> Them damn kids in their basement. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's a, uh, there's a rapper goes by the name Gmo Ski. He's out there in California, out there in Oakland, and in all of his music videos, he notoriously smashes GameCubes. Like he's a he's a big time gamer too. And every music video, he smashes a GameCube. Wow, wow. It's such a beautiful. Sense. It's just his that thing. Is so disrespectful. It's, it's just I, don't his you I don't understand Xbox. Uh, I don't you know, Xbox. But it's probably only seventy of them running around. <laughs> like, can I order one? I like, I like oh. a GameCube, please, because mm, GameCube, oh, that, that was an GameCube. awakening. That's Man. an awakening for gamers. Like, brah, that Fire Emblem. That was one of the first times I actually sat and just played it a lot. That's where brah. I got a uh, Resident Evil Four. Resident Evil Four, uh, the WWE Day of Reckoning games, uh, Smash Day Brothers. Brah, have you ever played? The Pokemon Coliseum games. Right. I always mm-hmm. wanted to play that. Like, yes, uh, Coliseum man. and XD Gales of Darkness. Yep. That made mm-hmm. me just like 
dude, this is what Pokemon should look like in 3D. Yeah. And like, oh my God, when, <laughs> when my brothers and I, we got our Wii, like I had to get Battle Revolution at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this game was for the Wii around like the early 2010s, like before 2010. And this game looks better than most of the modern Pokemon games. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so I just got to run around smashing GameCube. Yeah. He has nothing better to Look, do. My- my problem, my problem with GameCube is that obviously first-party Nintendo games were awesome. It's just yeah. that if it was a game available for PlayStation and Xbox, mm. as well as the GameCube, the GameCube version was always the worst version, and it just—I mean, well, it was the same thing on the Wii too. Like, no, 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 no. Y'all, it wasn't yeah. always like that on the, the game. Wii. I was Some games on the Some Wii, Wii games, were not- but it wasn't like that always on the Wii. Yeah, well, like not every game on a multi-platform is going to suck in every single version of one. But that was kind of like Nintendo branching out to other... It seemed like they were just picking up other titles at that point. Because Nintendo games will always be... Like the Marios and oh, all yeah. that. You can't, you can't... They know what to do with their IPs. That's why I'm not shocked how good they know what to do with their bread and butter. Right, They know what to do with their bread and butter. That's what they know how to do. And yeah. and you leave Resident Evil 4 alone. Leon is by far the coolest guy running around that franchise. I know, D. Oh, Resident, Resident Evil 4 is great. It's just not great on It game. was better on the PS2, though. Because like, they added, they Oh, added... so your gripe isn't with the game. It's with the console. It's with the console. Yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I mean. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I, I, mean, I had to hey, check y'all. I was no, you didn't have to check me. I don't know who you are. I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree. Thanks, Trav, because this guy over here hating on One Piece, he's bringing up JoJo. I mean, <sighs> hey, well, JoJo just celebrated the uh, 10 year anniversary. What did One Piece? What did One Piece celebrate? Uh, I don't know. Their first yeah. hiatus, right? He knows. He keeps tabs. Hey, try He keep tabs. He keep tabs on One Piece. Hey, we don't keep tabs on him. We gonna keep tabs on him. Yeah, you, <laughs> hey, hey, make sure just like when you open up the tabs on the internet, you know, just keep opening them up and just keep opening up the JoJo tab. So oh, we're here Lord. at the end of the interview, Bell. It did make any sense because it's a JoJo reference. So uh, we're here at the end of the interview uh, now, and Bell, you know, at the end of every interview, D he always has his final right. wrap up questions that he loves to ask. And send them D, my way. Yep. Go ahead oh, and take man. it away. First Bell, off, you ever met a guy Bell, named Mike? This is <laughs> hey, buckle up, Bell, because D is about to take you for a ride. Uh, I did. take you for a ride. Hey. No. Um, okay, Bell. So, first question: favorite 80s or 90s movie, or you could give us both if you want. Damn, yes. I- I can't remember anything from the 80s or yes. 90s. Oh, come on, bro. That hurts me. Come on, Don't say that. Yeah, well, say like that. Come on. Well, my, uh, Banks, you might need to write on one of those notorious lists. Maybe having us come up with some time. We just you told you we list. had the original Game Boy, and you talking about you don't remember nothing from the 80s, man. Wait, wait, to hang, on. To you. hang on. Wait, what, what Disney movies came out around the, around the 90s and 80s? Um, Little Mermaid on, came, dropped 89. Hey. Little Mermaid mm-hmm. 89. Yeah, because they really got going in the 90s. Lion King, oh. Hercules, Aladdin. Uh, because really, they had their a lot of live action stuff before in that time. Right? Oh, did Beauty, like, and the, and all that did stuff. Beauty and the Beast come out around the 90s? Or was that like a yeah. yeah, 91. I yeah. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I will say Beauty and the Beast, definitely. Phenomenal Beauty and the Beast, Tar- Beauty and the Beast Tarzan. Let's see, what else? Mm-hmm. Oh, damn. I was going to say Monsters, Inc., but that's an early 2000s one. I think Tarzan was in early 2000s, too, right? No, Tarzan's 90s. Tarzan's 90s. 90, 99. 
Yeah, maybe 99, 99, 99, 99, 99, somewhere in there. Yeah. Oh sh! How can I forget Mulan? Oh, fire! Mulan's a classic. I think Mulan. Uh, I mean, everything he just so. everything he just named was fire. Well, yeah, I mean, he Disney named all the classic jokes. Yeah. Well, it was yeah. Disney in the nineties, bro. Disney was That's not right. taking L's back then. Hell I mean, nah. except for except for Pocahontas, though. That one was the hey, the music's can... really good, though. Still, yeah, yeah, that music was good. The music's always good in the. Disney it's just the movie. story in that is just kind of I don't mm. lackluster. Nobody really cares. Yeah. Same yeah. same thing like uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Like when I was a kid, I wasn't a fan of it, but watching that's the movie deceptively as an adult, dark. Man, that's, that's that movie is fire. dark. That was a G rated yeah, movie, and there was like. And people, Rollo was just straight up murder, was murdering oh, people. Was he was tomatoes like, at my man and praying. Uh, like, it, oh my god, what he get upstairs he, talking about he how horny it. is it for Esmeralda yeah, with the fire, like, right. yeah. hellfire. Look, There's a song yeah. literally called hellfire, yeah, hellfire in the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I know that like, song's so fire. Hey, look, it is, it is. Just, so hey, Bell, just make sure that you stay away from the Hunchback of Notre Dame too. Just make sure oh, yeah, I heard that one. Is and oh, this, uh, they called oh, yeah, Esmeralda yeah, a hey, Jezebel. It was, it was funny. If there's, one, if there's one, like, <laughs> Disney sequel, like, direct-to-DVD sequel that I do actually like, it's Cinderella 3, because that's, oh, like, the one. Hmm. I that heard was that was one, a good movie. Yeah, that's the one movie that, like, made... No, there's a code on, bro. I gotta Aladdin, ask, was, was Aladdin 2? Was that Was that straight to video? I was just about to ask Lion King 2? No, Aladdin 2. Yeah, they were all straight. straight yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, so, but that like really good. That's why I asked. Yeah, yeah, but Lion King cool. 2 had that song Deception and the Zebras, they were angry. Like, Simba's on, pride, man. baby. Uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's crazy because for Hunchback of Notre Dame 2, there's a trailer on YouTube. <laughs> and I think it's Jennifer Love Hewitt that voices one of the characters in the movie. And she was just like, I highly recommend watching this movie. You and your family are going to love it. And somebody commented, was just like, I wonder how much they paid her to say that. Because the movie... <laughs> the movie say that. What else would she say? <laughs> Looking so at her funny. Oh, you my think God. Somebody was sitting there with a gun and was just like... Michael! Oh, my God. Jennifer Love Hewitt, and she voices Quasimodo's love interest in that yes. movie. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh, nice. she, she was like, she said, "Yeah, <laughs> you and your family are gonna love this movie. I highly recommend it." It's just oh, like no. after watching it, like he didn't need a love interest. Or, <laughs> I mean, that's what I was gonna say. He it's just like, needed friends. Like, yeah, yeah he just like, needed people who loved him for who he was yeah, without outside wanting something in return. It's like that's that's wholesome. Like you don't really get to see that very often. Where it's like you have a character who wants affection, but it's not. A romantic affection like it's a platonic affection right, Luca, yeah. baby. so Luca. here here's a little mm. head cannon if i told you guys bell you mm. you let us know that you're kind of limited on 80s 90s yeah have you ever seen the original black christmas i are film you should oh, watch I mean, it it's it's yeah. a cult classic have you ever but, seen um, pink christmas <laughs> hey that that that's a real before. movie too yeah it is <laughs> no, but um, I was going to say, I think that the murderer from Black Christmas and Quasimodo, I think they were based on the same person, kind of. Oh, really? They were both in the house the whole time, and, yeah. you know, <laughs> just kidding. Mm, upstairs in the room? <laughs> yeah, upstairs in the room. No, nah, nah, I 100% agree with you, D. I mean, It's kind of weird if you mm. think about the two characters. It's um, like a happenstance situation where it's like, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like they man. coincide with each other, and it's kind of creepy when you realize oh. it. 
You're gonna you're gonna see that movie at some point in time. Somebody's gonna bring it up to so you. Can be, oh, this is the guy they were talking about. And you're gonna okay. think about Quasimodo. Watch. I'm stay away from what Quasimodo though. Like he, just stay away I, from that sequel. Because yeah. I'm going to watch it when we get off today. Ugh, see God, like mm, I heard that that sequel is ass. Like we do not <laughs> talk about that movie. Yeah, with a capital A, with a capital yeah. A and two oh, capital S. Oh, speaking of yeah. ass sequels, um, did you ever see the Mulan sequel? Oh, that movie, of course. I, yeah, yeah, I watched it. It was okay. It, it wasn't. Okay. It, it's be, it's it was better than Hun- uh, it's better than Hunchback of Notre Dame too. Well, you know, Mulan two. Mulan 2 is way better, at least, than the live-action version of Mulan. So I still haven't seen that. It's, it's, like, it's not terrible, but it takes out all, basically, no, everything terrible. that was fun about it. That's what yeah. it, it just makes it very serious. It's just a oh, gorgeous they said Mushu looking film. Gonna be in? But it's yeah, yeah, they it's said Mushu won't gonna be in it. I was just like, I, no, Mushu I and no it. singing. I was just like, and then you had people defending it, saying, "Oh, it's based on a real story and all this other stuff." No, it's it just ain't. like, so you telling me like the the woman turning into an owl really happened? Uh, like, come <laughs> she was a sweet like, villain, but it was just, it just it just isn't the same thing. Oh now, if that God. were its own thing, I'd probably feel a little different about it because it was like they literally just took the fun out of it. There's yeah, no, you need a Stevie right. Wonder in 98 Degrees there, man. Yeah. This is, <laughs> like, this is why I don't like these Christina Aguilera? Reflection? Yeah, Mulan got some of the best music. Take that out. It's just kind of like, eh. Bruh, <laughs> man, Mulan did legit have some of the best music. Oh, yeah, it, it was fun. It was a straight R&B uh, I still listen to that sound. Yeah, yeah make a man that. out of you. Yeah, man, you come that on. on when you at the gym. You just start running. <laughs> That's what I do. It come oh, on my yes. playlist. I just go outside and start running. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, hey, that, man, dog, that dog will be up in the tree. Looking down. Yeah. Where is he? Oh my God. Like Disney movies, they legit do not. They did not have any L's when it came to the soundtracks. No. We didn't mention it yet, but that Aladdin, we're here. That Aladdin soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Uh, Not that new one. If you haven't Uh, seen uh, Turning Red yet, I highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Mm, They're bringing it back now. Hey, that's Mm. Pixar, though. Yeah, you did it on your own. Nobody like you. Um, um. Come on, man. You (laughs) got to sing the song. But yeah, D, go ahead with the second question. Okay, here we go. Um, Growing up, was there anything that really spooked you, scared you, and stayed with you? Whether it was a creepy melody from some movie or cartoon or character, a horror movie villain, what you got? Oh, I guess I got to expose myself a little bit on this one. Yes, I found his weakness. <laughs> it is I, Mike. Okay, then. Well, if I have to expose myself, then a few things that... Okay, well... Have you ever played the game Sonic Adventure 2? Oh, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. The ghosts in that game, <laughs> oh my God, those scared the shit out of me. Like, <laughs> That's wild. I did not see this coming. <laughs> I love the answers from this question, guys. I, I must say. Bro, like when I saw the ghosts in that game, like those scared me to the point where I couldn't even play it. Like my older brother had to pretty much like finish Knuckles' levels like on my behalf. That's <laughs> totally. just, bro, that... <laughs> That that's is just, a wonderful answer. That, well, <laughs> that's just, and that's just one. Mannequins, mannequins bothered the hell out of me. It's like mannequins fine. in the dark are pretty creepy, actually, especially yeah. in a Resident Evil game. Oh, yeah, good. Or Halloween. Like, like I'm fine in a distance, but like when you're up close, they feel like it feels like you're around people who can't move, and it's like uh-huh. you don't, you never know if they're actually going to come to life and like grab you, and it's like Jesus. 
cries like mm-hmm. like oh this faceless man is like you're you're mocking me <laughs> another isn't that another 80s movie trial man the mannequin I, I was about to say mannequin uh-huh. is a movie from the 80s yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah. it's never been like a like something from a movie that scared me about mannequins it's just like being around them just oh like, no i think the one we're talking about is like a love kind of yeah story. he falls Wasn't in it? love with a mannequin uh, yeah and it, she turns it, back yeah, it's yeah, like nah. a Cinderella kind of. It's, 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 uh, okay. It's, it's crazy Cinderella. that you say that. Well, you know, like she turns back into a mannequin. I mean, pretty God. much. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't that, uh, what was the movie with Tyra Banks when she was like a life size Barbie doll? Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, like the dude uh, fell nah, in love with a life size. not the same thing as life size. I pro- Me and D promise you, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, I know that people on TikTok are dressing up as mannequins and going in targets, and they're like, oh, people, that's, yeah. oh, that's gross. Yeah, people will walk by and then like they'll jump and like, look, Bell's never gonna go into Target, so <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Banks. Well, I'm never gonna stand near the mannequins in Target, yeah, so it's like, oh, hey, Bell's gonna be punched. like, someone's gonna punch you if you try that on me. <laughs> yeah, Bell's oh, gonna be it. at Target. Oh, you're yeah. gonna be like, I wonder what time it is. And then, like, the mannequin's gonna be like, I can tell you. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Wonderful answers. Yeah, wonderful answers. Oh so, yeah, so we're here at the end of the episode now. Bell, thank you so much for joining us up here on a new episode of Love Up with Benjamin Banks. Before we let you go, let everybody mm-hmm. in social media land know where they can find you at. Hi, brothers. So y'all can find me on Twitter at Belrusape VO. And you can find me on my website, BelsperusapeJr.com. In case you ever want to hit me up for, you know, just check out my voiceover or just like if you're interested in hiring me for anything, you know, whether it's for, you know, character designs, banner designs, just voiceover. Well, you know, if you just want to hit me up, hit me up on my website or just DM me on Twitter. I'm always available. I got my, I got all my information all over the place. So, you know where to find me. Nice, nice, nice. Hey, guys. Did I beat you to a trail? Hey, guys. Well, like D said, he came in here like a ball of fire, straight energy. And uh, that's what we love to have up here on Loveling Up with Benjamin Banks. And I know that you guys didn't hear this part. But Bell was the first person to say that we were badasses. And I love that. I love that he said that we were badasses, man. So uh, everybody, make sure that you go and follow him on all of his social media accounts and support him on whatever projects that he has coming up. And uh, with that being said, Trav, let them know where they can find you at in social media land. That's right. You can find me on the Instagram at ZK Audio. I am on the Twitter at T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on Letterboxd ranking and rating my daily movie watches d my man where they gonna find you at you can find me as always at rebellious double underscore d 23 at instagram dot com thanks if they need a hero tell them tell them tell them tell them you can find me your hero Benjamin Banks at King Benji underscore Banks on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me on Facebook at Benjamin Banks. I should be the first person to pop up. If not, then I need to contact Mr. Zuckerberg. Thank you again for watching and listening to this new episode of Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Make sure you follow all of our social media accounts at Leveling Up Banks. That's on Facebook, Twitter, 
Instagram, TikTok. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube at Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks, where we have the interviews, reviews, reaction videos. Make sure you check all that stuff out. Make sure you hit that like button too, because it really helps us out. And also thank you to our patrons who support us and, you know, make sure that uh, we keep on keeping the lights on up in here. If you are feeling generous and would love to donate to us, our Patreon is at Leveling Up Banks. And with that being said, stay safe, stay positive, keep that pinky up. We'll see you next time on Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. Peace.